Turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1. Uh, that's about all we're going to make it through today, all right? Daniel chapter 1. If you know anything about Daniel, it's a phenomenal book of the Bible. We're really excited about what the Lord is uh, speaking through Daniel, and uh, I just uh, want you to get ready for that. In fact, before I get into Daniel, I figured I would do an intro. And uh, for those of you uh, that maybe are newer to the Bible, maybe you've never really studied the Bible like this, I know for me this helped me tremendously when I was going through Bible school and things like that. But uh, if you read the Old Testament, so if you get to Daniel and you start reading, if you, if you were to read the Old Testament from like Genesis and you keep reading through and, and if you made it to Daniel, okay, if you made it there because he's, he's a little bit further in, he's after the Psalms and Proverbs and those kind of things, but uh, if you made it there, the Bible's not chronological and so sometimes if, you're, if you've never read the Bible before, you start reading and it kind of bounces all over because it's not in chronological order. Now you can buy a chronological Bible if you want to, but if I said, you know, turn to Daniel, turn to Psalms, you'd have a hard time because it might be in a different section, but, um, but it's not chronologically written. So I thought I would give just a really quick, brief, uh, really helpful kind of Old Testament survey, if, if I could, of history, kind of things that happen. And this will help you understand where Daniel fits, because uh, it's important for us to know uh, where the relationship with God is, where Israel is, and what's happening uh, in the Old Testament when we speak about Daniel. So let me give you just really quick, it happened in 605 before Christ. So before Jesus came, 605 years before he came, and let me just run through nine quick things that happened, so, or how we got to Daniel. So if you read in your Bibles from the beginning, if you're to open in Genesis, you're going to read about the creation and the fall of man. So those are the first few things that you'll start to read about. That's kind of the first thing that happens after is God creates you know, all, everything we see in man and woman, and there's a fall. Uh, that happens. So you're going to read about that first. Uh, shortly after that, you're going to read about Abraham, who's the father of faith. Uh, so when we understand all that God's doing and we understand Israel, uh, it started with Abraham and he had some kids. One of his kids' name was Jacob. And Jacob was uh, uh, also, uh, God, as he met the Lord and had a relationship with God, he changed Jacob's name to Israel. So that's how the nation of Israel was founded. Yes, it was a person, Jacob. His name was Israel. Uh, but this is how Israel was founded. Jacob had how many kids? Twelve kids, and that is the tribes of Israel. So there's twelve tribes in Israel. Uh, and you know, if you study the Bible, you're going to see this all through the scriptures, even in Revelation. There's 12 tribes. We'll have 12 gates, all named after the tribes, all after uh, the kids of Jacob. But that is the nation of Israel. In fact, uh, if you look in your Bibles, there's going to be all kinds of, of segments of Israel. So imagine it like states in the United States. There's going to be 12 different uh, sections of Israel, and those are all the kids of Jacob. And that's the whole nation of Israel. So that's kind of uh, a little, little nugget there for you. Uh, after Abraham was Moses, many of you have heard the story of Moses, uh, but uh, Israel was enslaved into Egypt. Egypt actually took captive Israel, and they were, uh, they were captives of Egypt, and uh, Moses is the one that freed them. Uh, God's the one that freed them, but through Moses, and Moses uh, took the people of Israel out of Egypt, and he took them to the promised land. So uh, maybe if you know anything about the Bible, they crossed this major sea. The sea opened up, and they crossed through it, and that's where they began their journey to the promised land. Um, so that's the next thing that happens really uh, in your Old Testament. Um, now, before they got to the promised land, Moses had, had passed away. Uh, he had known that this was happening, that he wouldn't make it to the promised land. But there was a guy named Joshua. And Joshua is the, is the person that really took Israel into the promised land. There was another 
parting of the sea and uh, many of the stories like Jericho, if you've ever heard the story of Jericho where they marched around the wall seven times and the walls fell down, uh, that's where that's at in history is really in that promised land conquest and the conquering of the promised land. Now the promised land was, there was people that lived in the promised land but God said that's your land and so Joshua had to go through and take the land captive. He had to take, not captive, he had to take the land from those because it was something that God gave them. Uh, so there was, that was a, a, another season of history. Uh, so when they took the promised land, there was uh, much like uh, the United States, we have a president. Uh, so when they formed Israel for the first time, there was no uh, really king or president or anything like that. So they had these judges. So there was a whole cycle or season of judges, uh, many different judges that were, that were over Israel at that time. Uh, and so that's kind of the next season as they're dwelling in Israel. There's all these judges. Uh, and uh, there's also a prophet named Samuel, if you know anything about that. Uh, there's this uh, guy, and he's the one that says David will be the king. Um, so eventually they get to a place where we want a king over Israel. And that's kind of the next section or history of Israel as they were ruled by kings. So King Saul was one of those. And he was the one that uh, was removed because he was disobedient to God multiple times. And so he was replaced by King David and King Solomon. And these are well-known kings in Israel's history. Uh, Jesus came out of uh, King David's uh, lineage there. And so uh, King David, King Solomon is David's son. And so after David passed, he handed the kingdom of Israel or the nation of Israel over to Solomon. And Solomon was the king over Israel. And uh, when Solomon had, before Solomon had perished, uh, Israel really got divided. It started to get um, uh, much like maybe what we're seeing in America. There's a lot of division. There's a lot of backbiting and fighting and, and, and different things like that. Uh, so then after, when, right before Solomon passed away, way, uh, Israel had divided into two, two uh, really two nations, uh, the northern and the southern. Uh, so if you can imagine really uh, taking Israel and dividing it in two, uh, the northern tribe was called Israel, and the southern tribe was called Judah. There was two providences of Judah and 10 in the north. And so uh, that's kind of the next segment of history is where Israel was divided, uh, the northern called Israel and the southern called Judah. Uh, where did Jesus come out of? the tribe of Judah. He came out of the southern tribe. Uh, so he came out of Israel. To him, Israel is always Israel. But uh, because of kind of different things that happened, it was divided. So that was the next kind of historical thing that happened is the divided kingdom. And then the next thing ha that happened, and this is where Daniel, the book of Daniel comes out of, is the destruction of Israel, the destruction of the north and the south, where other nations, uh, Babylon and other nations came and really just uh, annihilated Israel altogether. The whole nation was destroyed. The temple was destroyed. Uh, they took all of the gold and the, and the artifacts of Israel, all those things that were the Lord's that were in the temple. They took all of those things. They also took the people and they held them captive. They used them uh, for labor and different things. And, and so Israel, again, as they were in Egypt, were now in bondage or captive uh, of uh, these nations of Babylon and the king that did, that began that was King Nebuchadnezzar and this is where you're going to find the book of Daniel and this is what we're going to study today. Um, after they were in captivity for many years, 70 years they were in captivity, uh, there was a uh, kind of a, a return to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was totally destroyed, it had been burnt down. The book of Nehemiah, you'll find this in the, the return to Jerusalem and they, uh, they are re released from captivity and they, they head back to Jerusalem uh, and then the next thing you're gonna find is the New Testament. So Jesus comes uh, 400 years later, but Jesus comes and, uh, and then we see the church arise. So that's kind of a quick snapshot if we can. Uh, again, we're gonna be reading Daniel, which is in the, uh, that's in the segment where uh, they're really 
the destruction of Israel and Judah, where they're really destroying Israel, and they're taking captive all of the Israelites, they're taking captive all of the people, and that's where the book of Daniel is found, and this is where we're gonna start. And so uh, today, the, the title of the message, and I think you're gonna enjoy this, I think you'll really uh, relate to this, is, is when life is unfair. Anybody have had life be unfair to you? If not, it's coming. Don't worry, get ready. So uh, I think we all have experienced some unfairness in life, and if you haven't, you will, uh, just because we live in a fallen place. We live in a place with sin and where life is unfair and where the enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. We all experience some kind of unfairness. Uh, And this is where Daniel has experienced some, uh, this is really an unfair situation. Think about it. Imagine, uh, you know, you right where you are today in your life and what's going on. Uh, You know, you're probably gonna leave here and go grab lunch or do something with your family or go home and swim or whatever you're going to do today, imagine living that everyday life and then all of a sudden a nation comes and destroys everything you own, literally takes anything of valuable that has any, any value at all and it takes it as their own and then takes you and puts you in captivity. Could you imagine? Your life, uh, that is unfair, isn't it? And that's where Daniel is. He's taken captive. They besiege the nation. They take all of their belongings and destroy uh, whatever they don't have use for. They literally burn it down and, and really trample it down to nothing. Uh, this is what you're going to find in Daniel. So let's read this in Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, speaking about when life is unfair. Uh, let's read this, and then we'll, we'll get into a few points today. It says, in the third year of the reign of, Jeho- of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, so he was the king over the south, the south Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of the Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God when he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Asphenes, the the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there were no blemish but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand and had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed from them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine of which they drank. Okay, so here's, here's really the, the whole when life is unfair moment. You know, when life's unfair, what do you say? God, why me? God, what's happening? God, why? And I'm sure Daniel, uh, like you, have had these moments of those why God moments. And that's really the first point I want to talk to you about. Uh, What happens when we have these why God moments? You know, God, why me? Why, why did this happen to me? Or why, uh, why in this way? I think we, uh, many of you can relate to that. Maybe you're in that season right now, or maybe you've just come out of it. Uh, or, you know, uh, prayerfully this message, you'll just, things will sit in your heart because when you do go through it, we need to, we need to see what, what does Daniel do in this why God moment? How does he, uh, you know, does he throw a tantrum? Does he uh, blame God? Does he blame everybody else? You know, uh, I think it's important to see in these why God moments, maybe not necessarily what's happening because there's an experience, there's a situation. If you're in one, you know there's, there is a thing that is unfair and you're, you, can, uh, you can describe that however you like. Uh, but what I want you to see as we walk through Daniel is how he reacted to this moment. Not so much of what's going on because the what's going on, honestly, uh, if you read the book of Daniel, uh, you know, really makes our uh, un- life unfair moments really seem very minuscule, doesn't it? I mean, anything that we're going through, not to, not to mitigate what you're going through, you're saying it's not important because it's important, but Daniel, everything was robbed from him. Everything was taken from him. His family was destroyed, and now he's totally taken captive, and he lives under the rule of this 
this government that he's never known. He's now told what to do. He's told where to go. He's told how to act. In fact, there's so many things that happen, uh, you know, in this moment. You, I just can't imagine saying, God, what is going on? Why is this happening to me? And so uh, what I want us to see as we go through, especially today's message when life is unfair, is I want you to put yourself in that place, especially if you're going through something. I want you to put yourself... Uh, just think about what you're going through, and let's take some principles. Let's take some nuggets or some truths when we read about Daniel, uh, because you're going to see Daniel shine in this unfair moment, and I believe that's the, the case for you if you're going through something or when you do. I, I believe as, as followers of Christ, we can shine even though life is unfair, that God can use these moments uh, not only to bless you, but also to bless uh, let's just put it in Daniel's perspective, to bless a king that's taken him captive. And so uh, today, I just want you to kind of see how Daniel reacts. I want you to see the decisions he makes. I want you to see how uh, he takes challenges or, or maybe really, really unfair uh, uh, manipulated moments. And I want you to see how he acts. Uh, but in Daniel chapter one as well, you're gonna read uh, a little bit later that he changes the, the government that besieged him, changes their names. Now, they have Hebrew names. They have uh, Jewish names. All of their names, uh, there's, there's four guys that you're going to read about. In fact, if you know anything about Daniel, you probably know them by their Babylonian names, not their, their Hebrew names, except for Daniel. Uh, there's Daniel. What else? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All right, Abednego, Shadrach, and Meshach are their Babylonian names. That was the names that were, was given to them by their captors. Uh, so what's interesting about this, when you think about these why God moments, is uh, not only has life been really unfair to them, and now they're captives, but now you have a nation that has besieged them and changing their names. And that may not be important to you, uh, but I want you to think about this. Your name means something to God. Uh, all of us have a name, and our names all mean something. I think when we get to heaven, God's going to show you why I named you that because of this. And you go, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Uh, but in this situation or, or circumstance, uh, there's these guys, and let me tell you, let me, so you can see their, their Hebrew name. Here's their Hebrew name, Daniel, or Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, Daniel, E-L, Mishael, E-L, E-L always means God on the end of their names, right? So these are, these are names that point to the one true God. So when God was naming them, and so I, I don't want to uh, dismiss Hananiah and Azariah, they both, if you look up their names, you're going to see they're all names that point to the one true God. These names were important to them. It brought them back to who they worshipped. It brought them back to, uh, you know, the, the God that created them. Uh, so now you have this Babylonian nation that's taking them captive and changing their names. And uh, if you could guess, if you could just, uh, again, we're not fighting against people. We're fighting against enemies and principalities. and We're fighting against the devil himself. So if you could think about what would, if your name pointed to the one true God, if, if the enemy could change your name, what would he change it to? What would he change it to? Something that was away from God, wouldn't it? Something that was uh, it would be a counterfeit. There would be some other God that it would point to that's not the one true God. And that's what all of these names mean. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all point to Babylonian false gods. And so now that would be, uh, if you were a Jew, if you grew up in Israel worshiping the one true God, think about it, the Ten Commandments themselves you know, these are character principles. These are commandments that you know, we should honor today. These Ten Commandments don't worship any other gods. This Babylonian nation is literally taking them captive and changing a name that points to the one true God they worship and changing her name to point to false gods. This would go against the core of who they were. This would go against every value and principle that they have as a, as a follower of God and a follower of Christ. This would, this would be such a challenge for them. 
Now Daniel, they gave, they gave him a Hebrew name too. His name was, was uh, Balthazar. But you'll see Daniel never goes by that name. Now I, I did a study on this. I don't know. I, I think maybe I'll have to wait till I meet Daniel in heaven and ask him. But um, he, he always goes by Daniel. I don't, there was obviously favor there. Uh, and they didn't take it personal. They didn't persecute him for not taking it. But for whatever reason, he never took his Babylonian name. He went by the name Daniel. But when you think about when life is unfair, I think... Uh, this is one thing we could learn about uh, these guys. And these guys, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did take those Babylonian names, but they kept their faith in God. You know, I don't know, maybe, maybe it was just uh, as far as persecution and things that would happen to them if they didn't take it, maybe it was easier to do that, but I just want you to know that they stayed faithful to God. They stayed faithful to the principles. They stayed faithful to worshiping the one true God even though they changed their names because changing, changing a name of something doesn't change the heart of a person. And so they stayed faithful to God. Daniel stayed faithful to God. And I think here's what's important when life is unfair is where's your faith? Where, where's the relationship you have with God? What are the principles that you're gonna stand on in those moments? You know, are we just gonna sit here and complain and, and blame everybody else? Are we going to sit here and, and just make hypotheticals of, you know, what did I do wrong? Or are we going to be somebody that's going to stay faithful to God no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation? Are we going to stay faithful to God even though life is unfair? I'm still going to choose to worship God. I'm still going to choose to honor his principles. And this is what you see uh, really in this moment with this why God moment with Daniel is he stays faithful. Look, I guarantee you he couldn't answer all these questions. I guarantee you in this why God moment for him, he couldn't say, well, this is why this happened. Uh, this is why we're captive. This is why we're, we're you know, this is why we're gonna be serving the king. He couldn't answer those questions. All he could do is remain faithful. And the cool thing about the answers that he couldn't answer in this moment was somehow him and Michelle and Azariah and Hananiah and Daniel, they, for, in some way, the king looked at them and the eunuch looked at them and said, hey, these guys, these guys stand up, they stand far and above all the others. You know, there was kind of like a, a fleshly way to look at them. They were good looking. They had no blemishes. So I don't know what that means. Maybe they used proactive that day or something. You know, they didn't have any, any, any zits or anything, but they, for whatever reason, they stood out physically. They stood out in their stature. Here's what I think is they saw characteristics of God in them. Not only were they fit the physical requirements, but their wisdom and their understanding, the way they respected people, the way they treated people, that stood out. And these guys were selected to serve the king. King Nebuchadnezzar, they were, they were chosen to serve the king. Now here's something else about this when life is unfair moment. Not only did they change their names, but they were, had to speak their language. So imagine, you, you know, coming and they speak Hebrew, they speak a different language, but now because they're captive, they must speak the Chaldean language. They must speak the, the language of Babylon. They gotta learn the literature, they gotta learn the language, not because they want to, right? This is what we do in America. Well, I wanna take a foreign language. I wanna learn French, I wanna learn whatever. No, they were forced to learn literature. They were forced to learn the language. Pretty unfair, isn't it? Look, if you're there, you're in that unfair moment the moment doesn't define you it's the way that you live through the moment that really defines who you are and who you worship 
Let's talk about the test. That's the next thing that happens. So not only is life unfair, and they, have this, they can't answer the questions. And any time, we were just praying over somebody at the first service, something happened in his life, and he just said, look, I can't explain it. Look, there's going to be moments that you're just not going to have an answer for. You may not physically have an answer, but God knows. So stay faithful. There's a test. Now, sometimes God tests us. And when God tests us, his, the, the purpose of the test is what? That you succeed. He doesn't test you so you'll fail. He tests you so you'll pass. He tests you that you'll succeed. And if you've ever been tested from God, you know, and maybe you're being tested right now. Maybe this would be a light bulb moment for you. If you fail the test, guess what? You will take it again and again and again. That's how good God is. He's very graceful. He's very patient. He'll let you take the test a hundred times if he wants. But the desire of the Father is that you pass it the first time or the second time or the third time. But if you need to take it a hundred, he'll be patient and wait for you. But that's the purpose of when God tests you is that you pass. His desire, look, God, God has the best intentions for every single one of us. And he wants us to flourish. He wants us to prosper. Uh, you know, a lot, when I say that, a lot of people think about financially. Okay, so yes, but he also wants you to prosper and flourish as a man and woman of God, as a son and daughter of God. He wants you to know what you're called to do and how to live. He wants you to have good character. He wants you to have integrity. He wants you to choose the right things. And so when you're going through one of these why God moments or you're going through when life is unfair, he still wants you to act the same way. He doesn't want you to compromise. So again, God tests you, but you know what? Also, I love what Daniel did. Daniel tested himself. He put himself on the table. And so here's what hope happens in verse 10 of the same chapter is that because they were chosen by the king, there were some advantages to serving the king. You got better food, you got better drink, you got a lot of great things. Now watch in verse 10. It says, and the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, Nebuchadnezzar, who has appointed you food and drink. For why should you see that your face is looking worse than the, the young men who are of your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So here's the eunuch saying, uh, Daniel's basically saying, look, I'm not gonna eat what the king's given me. I'm just going to have vegetables and water. Vegetables and water. That's a good diet plan for all of us, isn't it? Vegetables and water. A lot of times when we talk about the Daniel fast, okay, a lot of people, you know, I've heard it say that Daniel was a vegetarian. That's not the case. That's not the case here. But here's a eunuch saying, look, Daniel, if you don't eat what the king's giving you, and, and I'm accepting that as the eunuch, and, and I let you do that. Guess whose head, head is on the table? Both of us, mine included. And so he was a little hesitant to say, okay, Daniel, sure, don't, don't receive the food. Because if the king knew that the eunuch allowed this to happen, his head would have been on a chopping block. That's how manipulated and forceful this time was. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. And let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the other young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And if you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with him in this matter and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter, that's a lot of vegetables, and flesh than all the other young men and ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Then, thus the steward took away the portion of delicacies and the wine uh, that they were to drink and gave them vegetables 
as these four young men. God gave them knowledge and skill and all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding and all visions and dreams. So here's Daniel uh, making his own test, and he's saying, look, and you know, I, I wish we could be there for the whole story. I wish we had like a Hollywood movie on this, but uh, basically the eunuch is saying, look, Daniel, if this doesn't go well, my head's on the chopping block. And Daniel says, okay, just let me do this for 10 days. And then you look, you look after 10 days and tell me, basically here's what he's saying, that my God won't prosper me, that my God won't intervene, that there, that there will be a situation that we will end up better. It doesn't seem like, it doesn't add up, it's not logical, but I'm telling you, my God will bless. And so after 10 days, they shined. What Daniel said happened. He was stronger, wiser, more understanding than those that took the king's delicacies. Now, again, some people think, well, well, Daniel's a vegetarian. No, he didn't eat the king's delicacies because the king's delicacies were offered to the false gods. They would take the king's food and they would offer it to the false gods and then they would serve them to the people. And for a Jew to take a food that's been offered to a false god and then partake it in your body would be detestable. It's not acceptable. It goes against everything they knew. So Daniel not only made a test for himself, but he was showing them that, hey, my God's the real deal. Test me for 10 days and see that he won't show up in my life. You see, when you're going through, when life isn't fair to you, it's interesting to kind of look at what you're going through and maybe, maybe it's an inside look of yourself. And this is what Daniel was doing. He said, look, I'm not gonna compromise who I am. I'm not gonna compromise my relationship with God just to eat better, to eat the food that's offered to false gods. I'm not gonna take a false god's portion and take it into my body. Now, there's nothing wrong with eating meat or any of those things, but in, in this moment, it was offered to a false god and he just couldn't do it. He wasn't gonna compromise. He wasn't gonna do that. Look, when you're going through life that's unfair, I, I think we can learn from Daniel, we don't need to compromise either. Look, I don't know what it is in your life that maybe you're compromising, but think about it. I think this is, anytime you're going through an unfair moment, just look at your life and say, God, is there, is there something in my life that I'm compromising? Is there something in my life? And it doesn't matter what it is because it's different for each one of us, but I think we've all compromised. I believe Daniel also compromised in his life. You don't learn these lessons without passing the test. But when life's unfair, just take an internal look and say, God, is there something in my life that I'm compromising, that I'm, and look, this was, this was just food. It's not about the food. What it is about is the worship, the message, the example. That it's okay to cross the line and worship other gods than God. It's okay to accept bribery or, or force or manipulation. It's, it's okay. And Daniel's saying, no, it's not Okay. I'm not gonna compromise. Just feed me vegetables and water and let's see what God will do. So I think this is encouraging to you and encouraging to me. I would just encourage you, look, don't compromise. You don't have to compromise. You don't have to accept what the enemy's throwing at you. 
just because it looks good, feels good, sounds good, or good in the moment, it's always better, it's always a blessing to stand in the principles of God's word. It's always better to worship Jesus alone and no other gods before you. Then there's God's favor. This is a part of when life's unfair, this is part of those moments that you can't answer questions about, but you know what, when you're being tested and you stand faithful, this is the thing that God does that's just mind-blowing. As God gives you favor, and can I just say that when you're going through one of these unlife fair moments, you're not gonna be able to predict the outcome. I guarantee you Daniel wasn't sitting there a week prior saying, okay, Babylon's gonna come in and they're gonna take us captive and then there's gonna be this food test and then this is what I'm gonna do. My, Michelle, you do that. Hananiah, you do that. So you, that's, they didn't plan this thing out. And neither will you. We're not gonna have all the answers, but we remain faithful. Remain a person of character. Don't compromise. And watch God's favor. Look at what happens uh, very quickly. Again, he's held captive. He's standing before people. They're being told what their name is. They're being told what to do. They're telling, hey, you're gonna serve the king. You can eat these delicacies. All of these things are being told to them very quickly. And Daniel says, no, we're just gonna have vegetables and water. You can test this. But watch verse nine. Look at what happens in verse nine. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Very quickly, Daniel found favor with the eunuch. Not only with the eunuch, but after the test, look at this, look at verse 19 and 20. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all has, was found like, none of them was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. There they served before the king, and in all matters, look at this, in all matters of wisdom and understanding by which the king examined them, he found them 10 times better. That is crazy. All because they said, no, we, we will worship God only. He found them 10 times better. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar didn't worship the God of Israel. He had all these other false gods. But when he looked at people that served God, they were 10 times better than what he put next to him. Ten How do you measure 10 times? Basically, here's what he's saying. They're blowing you away. Because I, I don't know how you do 10 times wisdom and understanding. I don't know how you measure that. But here's what he's saying. These guys stand far above anything that's sitting right before me right now. And look what he says. 10 times above who? Who's he talking about? 10 times better than all the magicians and the astrologers. Some of your translations say uh, the enchanters. But does this sound familiar in our day and age? Where the enemy uses soothsayers, magicians, tarot card readers, all of these things. All of these people that are being used for purposes that aren't from God. But yet when a man of God stands firm, 10 times better than anything that the enemy could produce. 10 times better. So look, when life is unfair, when you're being put to the test, just stand. And I love that it's so simple. I love that Daniel makes it really simple in these moments. And I think this is really important for you and for me. When you're going through an unfair moment, boil it down, make it really simple. Why do you worship Jesus? Is he the only true God in your life? Is there anything that's compromising or pulling you away from God? If there is, say no. Stay faithful, stay committed. You're gonna see later as you read in Daniel, he makes it very, very simple. Whether it's my, my relationship with God, it's my communication. I, I'm gonna continue to pray to God no matter what. I'll continue to talk to God. I'll continue to pursue my relationship with God. And you begin to see God give you favor and blessing. Even when, even when everything is turned up and when it gets at its worst, you'll see God show up in your life.
as he did with Daniel. And so I just want to encourage you this morning. If you're in one of those unfair life moments, don't compromise. Stand for God. Stand for his principles. Stand for his truths. And if you don't know what those principles are, you've got to figure that out. You've got to make those principles and make those values so when you're going through the hard times, when the test comes, you're going to pass with flying colors. The only way you can do that is by putting that in your heart and making the choice, I'm not going to bend here. I'm not going to give any, any room right here. And this is what be, that, what's beautiful about the word of God is it gives you so many great principles and values to stand on. It gives you so many things that says, hey, this is my heart for you. This is my best for you. This is the way I want you to walk and live. And you know what? It's gonna be a narrow gate. Not wide is the, is the way the world's gonna walk through, but narrow is this way that God's called you to walk. But there's blessing, there's favor, and it is the life, the truth, and the way that God would have you live. And so this morning, I just wanna encourage you with that. If you walk away from anything today this morning, I would just say this. Stand on God's principles. Don't compromise. Keep being faithful. It doesn't matter if everybody else is being unfaithful. You keep being faithful, especially when life's unfair. Watch and see. Try it. All I can encourage you to do is try it. We're all going to go through unfair moments, but stay committed to God and see what happens. Why don't you stand to your feet? I want to pray with you. Let's pray together. Everyone, just if you don't mind closing your eyes, don't worry about the person next to you. Just worry about where you are. Look, this morning, if you're here and you haven't given your life to Jesus and you need to do that, and, and, and God's just made that clear to you, you're here. And I don't know why the reason you're here is maybe somebody brought you or maybe you were going through something and you just knew you needed something different than what you're going through. But you realize you need to give your life to God. Would you just, right there in your seat, just lift your hand. Look, nobody's looking around. This is between you and God. And myself, just lift your hand and say, God, I need you right now. I want to give my life to you. Thank you, thank you. There's a hand, thank you. If that's you, just say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm, I've made some choices I shouldn't, but I'm repenting and I'm giving my life to you. I'm looking to you right now. Thank you for speaking to me. Thank you for bringing me here to show me yourself. It's that simple. You just speak those words. Speak in your own way. God hears you. If you're here today and you're going through one of those moments where life's unfair, would you just lift your hand as well? Would you put it high up there to say, man, I'm, life is unfair right now. Just lift it up. Lord, I pray for every hand. Now, there's many of them right here in this room. I pray for them. Lord, I ask that you would, first and foremost, you understand what they're going through. Because Jesus, it wasn't fair for you either. And so, Lord, you understand what it's like to live in this world that's unfair to the one that made it. But, Lord, I just ask that you would see their hands. You'd see their hearts today. And, Lord, I pray for them that are saying, look, life's unfair to me. Lord, I, I pray that you'd give them an extra dose of faith. Lord, that you would help them see the values. That you'd show them your best for them. Let them see that you love them. Lord, help them make choices to be a man and woman of character, of integrity. That when it comes to a situation where they can choose to compromise just to make this situation go away, that they'll, they won't choose that. They will choose your word and your principles over what the enemy's showing them. 
And Lord, sometimes it's hard to discern. But Lord, I love what Daniel did. If it's offered to a false god, I, I'm not going to do it. It doesn't matter what it is, I'm not going to do it. If it's a message that's away from God, I'm not going to do it. And so Lord, thank you for making that abundantly clear that compromise is always a deception of your best. And so I pray for them that have their hands lifted up, God. Bless them and help them see your word, Lord. And I'm sure they're standing there going, I know what the compromise is. Lord, help them overcome. Help them pass the test. And Lord, give them favor. Give them blessing as they walk through whatever the situation. Make them rise and make them shine as you did, Daniel. And so, Lord, thank you for always being so patient with us, so understanding with us. Thank you that you went to the cross so we can have this relationship with you. And God, we don't always get it right, but I'm so thankful you're there to forgive us and pick us up and say, try again, my son. Try again, my daughter. I love you. And so, Lord, we just bless you and we honor you right here, right now. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. I'm going to have my, our altar teams come up. We would love to pray with you. Look, if you're going through one of these moments or you gave your heart to the Lord, just look, tell them we want to embrace you. Look, don't be afraid to pray. You're going to see in Daniel, this was something that they made fearful that you can't pray to God look it's the most powerful thing you can do in your life is pray especially agreeing with others that have the same values and beliefs as you do and so if you need prayer at any moment during this song you can come up or you can wait till after services but we would love and be honored to pray with you and agree with God's best for you and so you can do that at any time but let's worship together and we'll dismiss here shortly team so let's let's worship together <laughs>